we're kind of in between series right now, so this, the sermon today and, and the one next week aren't part of a series, but it's just, just something the Lord has been putting on my heart. And I don't know, I've got, there's four or five places in Scripture that are my absolute favorite places, and I spent a lot of time there. And we've preached on, we preached over this area several times, but one more time I need to go back. And I want to talk in John chapter 4 what it talks about the woman at the well. And the Lord has just been laying it on my heart that we need to be that woman at the well. And, and it's at that well that lives are transformed. It's at that well where we enter that relationship with Him. Anybody with me? Are you, are you okay this morning? So in John, John chapter 4, I, I, I want to go, go through this in the Passion. And I know it's, it's kind of lengthy, but will you stay with me and listen to the story? You know, the Bible talks about hearing the Word. You know why the emphasis is on hearing? Because up to maybe 100 years ago, most people didn't know how to read. And a major part of the service for almost 2,000 years was reading the Scripture. Because for a lot of people, that's the only time they heard it. All right, they're bored. I don't know. That, that didn't go anywhere, Lord, I know. So let's, let's, let's read through this. You, you okay? I want you to try to visualize this, okay? Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. And by the way, people think that John may have reached as many as 200,000 people. I mean, it was a huge thing. Now Jesus is drawing greater crowds. Uh, although Jesus didn't baptize, but his disciples baptized the people. Even Jesus delegated. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. But notice he had to pass through Samaritan territory. How many know sometimes we got to go through Samaritan territory? Uh-huh. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. The woman replied, but sir, I, I kind of think she had an attitude when she said, you don't even have a bucket, and this well is very deep. So where do you think this, where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. 
But if anyone drinks from the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Wow. The woman replied, let me drink. (laughs) Uh, Let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again. You won't have to come back here to draw water. And she won't have to come back. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. "Mm, That's true. For you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore Him in the realm of the Spirit and in truth. Wow. The woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. Glory to God. At that moment, here come the disciples. We're stunned to see Jesus speaking with a, with a Samaritan woman. Scandal. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. I bet they talked amongst themselves. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one. We've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, Don't worry about me. I have eaten a meal you don't know about. (laughs) As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time, for their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. Oh, praise God. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with him, so he stayed there for two whole days, Mm -hmm. resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teachings. Wow, what a story. I just love that story. So let me just give you a few pointers, okay, because we've been over this ground, but there's something here I need to show you. Number one, you need to understand that this was a divine appointment. It didn't just happen by accident. Most good Jews 
would go around Samaria. He was in the north. Samaria was in the south. He had to go a straight line where he was going to, rather. A straight line would go through Samaria, but good Jews would not travel on cursed ground. The Samaritans were mixed they were of Jewish heritage, but also Babylonian. and lower. It was all mixed up. And their religion was all mixed up. It, their religion was part Jewish worship and part pagan worship. They just put it all together, kind of like a lot of churches today. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little dabble do you. And it's all mixed up. It's just whatever pleases the people. So Jews absolutely would not even speak to a Samaritan. They were like, hands off. They were like, you know, don't even touch them. Don't ever speak to them. Much less, you know, plus men aren't allowed to speak to women in public. That was a no-no, especially alone. (laughs) The other day I was watching Andy Griffith. Remember that story where Barney messed up and Thelma Lou wanted to teach him a lesson? And, and, and she started dating Gomer to make Barney jealous. <laughs> and she gave, I don't even know where I'm going with this, and she gave, she gave Gomer a kiss on the jaw. And Gomer went back and says, you know what that means? You know what that means, Andy? That means I got to marry her. Because <laughs> a kiss on the jaw, he said, when my mom and dad got engaged, they just shook hands. <laughs> I mean, it was that serious. You just didn't talk to a woman. You, you didn't spend time with a woman. And... and Man or woman, no good Jew would ever talk to a a Samaritan. I mean, there were strict racial divisions. By racial, I mean nationalities. If you were a Jew, you were not allowed to to do it. And there were certain customs with men and women and religious customs and and, uh, dating customs and all kinds of things. But here it is. Jesus put ministry ahead of tradition. Jesus put ministry ahead of, of customs. He put, he put ministry ahead of divisions between people. And it really doesn't matter what the world tries to put us, what boxes the world tries to put us in. And the world says you can't associate with that and you can't run with them and, and you shouldn't be seen with them. Well, listen, hallelujah, let's put ministry first. If we'll put ministry first, it, you know, you might wind up in places that good Christians don't wind up in. You you might start kind of fellowshipping with sinners. They may one day may see you out at a restaurant. Why are they eating with them? But I'm here to tell you it's time to get all that nonsense. Listen, we're not a social club for holy people. We're a hospital for the wounded and the hurting. And it's time to reach out. Amen. They're no better than we are. We're just forgiven. Anybody with me? Number two, notice that he had to send the disciples away before ministry could occur. 
Sometimes you've got to separate yourself, even from church people, to do what God would have you to do because not everybody understands what God has called you to do. But listen, your ministry does not depend on other people's understanding. Your ministry depends on the calling of God on your life. You're not here to please people. And they say, well, how how do you know? Because it doesn't take 12 guys to get a meal for one. You send Judas with the money bag. He goes through, through McDonald's window and orders for 13 and brings it back. It doesn't take 12 guys to carry that many Happy Meals. Are you with me in this place? So he sends them all away. And he's just sitting there. Number three, Jesus realized that regardless of other people's opinion, this woman, a woman, oh, my God, to all of you out there in la-la land who still believe women can't preach, I'm here to mess you up. Take that, Facebook. Amen. I'm here to mess you up because it's whosoever will. Don't let anybody hold you back because of your sex or gender or race or creed or background or your past or what other people. Listen, like I said, it doesn't matter people's opinion. It's time to get off that well and do a great work for God. Give God praise if you know what I mean. Amen. Amen. Come on and shout to the Lord. Say, that's me. Listen, this woman was, a, was probably a hurting woman. Now, I don't know why she went through five marriages. I don't know if she killed all her husbands. <clears throat> I don't know what, or she just, you know, they all died of stress. I, I don't know. But apparently this was a woman of attitude. <laughs> so maybe, maybe they did die of stress. I don't know. But she's been through five marriages. She's finally given up on marriage, and now she's, she's living with the guy, right? Number six. Jesus knew that, and he didn't say that to judge her. Shock. He wasn't saying it to judge her. He wanted her to know, I see your heart. I see who you really are, not to judge you, but to help you. Wow, this is a powerful thing if you'll get a hold of it. Why is she there in the middle of the day? All the women of the city would be there first thing in the morning to get their water. They'd come and bring their jugs to the, to, to the well, fill it up, because they needed the water for the day. So they have these huge, you've seen pictures of the water jugs on their heads, right? The jars. Well, that, that was what they, they didn't have running water, believe it or not. They didn't even have electricity. They didn't have a cell phone. You know, actually, actually, Moses was into technology. He, he actually had two tablets. And he downloaded from the cloud.
That's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> she comes in the middle of the day because she's tired of the women talking about her. Oh, there she is. You know, she's been married five times, and, and now she's living with that guy. And, and you know, you can imagine how scandalous that was 2,000 years ago. And, and this, you know, and, and she says, you know what, I'll just come in the middle of the day. I'll just come when, no why is it that Jesus sometimes shows up when no one else will show up? How is it that we find Jesus sometimes when we're trying to avoid trouble? How, how is it that the Lord can find us? Because, like I said, this was a divine appointment. I'm here to tell you whatever you're going through, whatever your past, whatever you're dealing with, whatever, are, whatever people are saying about you, I'm here to tell you today he's sitting at the well and waiting for, to have a divine encounter with you. And he's doing it on purpose, amen. He is seeking you out. Oh, his, his goodness and mercy is chasing me down, amen. And he's trying to find us in our situation. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Can anyone testify? He's been good to me all my life. Amen. Oh, he was good to me before I was even saved. We got to get this out of our head. If I got to do good works and I got to be holy so he'll love me. He loved you when you were nasty. He loved you before you even knew about him. I mean, he saved you not because you did something awesome. So why do we now think we need to work our way into heaven? It doesn't work that way. Amen. He loves you unconditionally. Oh, if you love Jesus, give him a shout. Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. I, I like the gradual revelation that he, you know, the, the woman says, woman first just calls him a Jew, and then she calls him sir, and then she calls him a prophet, and then finally she says, you know, you might be the Messiah. <laughs> and I, I think that happens to us too. We meet him as Savior, but then, then he becomes master. But listen, I'm here to tell you at some point he can become friend and father. He's a good, good father. He had been with six men. Jesus was the seventh. Jews reading this story recognize in the narrative that there's some betrothal language here, that it's actually talking about a man and a wife getting married. That's why I brought Gomer into this. <laughs> and it's hard for us to see it now. And, and I'm not saying Jesus was proposing to her in the flesh, but in the spiritual realm, are we not the bride of Christ? And he's actually reaching out to a woman that he shouldn't even be talking to, and he's saying, I am the man. I'm the answer. I'm who you need. What a powerful statement. Watch this. The seeds of revival continue. A whole city. Can you see it? He says, look at, look on the fields. He was talking about hundreds of people coming out of the city to go see Jesus, to hear the message that he has. 
These are Samaritans. These aren't Jews. He, he wasn't even called to talk to them. But he opened the door. Opened the door. A couple of years after the resurrection, the church becomes scattered because of persecution. Thank you, Paul. He's killing people, and everyone's scattering. Isn't it amazing how God can use something like that to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? If it wasn't for the persecution, they all would have hung out in Jerusalem. It's like today trying to get pastors in the church of God to move north because you know God doesn't call people to the cold. In the state of Tennessee, I think there's like 700 churches of God or something like that and about 1,400 preachers. And yet we can't get anyone to move north to pastor a church. I wish God would get that fixed somehow or another. But a few years after, let's go to Acts chapter 1. Let me get into this just a little bit. Now, Saul was consenting to his death, Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the stubborn apostles. Therefore, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, mm, thank God for deacons, Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Samaria. Isn't that where Jesus was? And preached Christ to them. He's just following up. Jesus knew that the seeds he planted would only extend even further. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, right? Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Wow. Jumping over to verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. You know, you got to send the bishops down. You better go check out that mess. We got Samaritans getting saved. We better go see what's going on. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Woo! So much for those people who think there's not a difference between getting saved and getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Yikes. They're already saved. Now, they have the, when you're saved, you have the Spirit in you. But there's a difference between having water in you and you being in the water. You got me? When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, that means immersed in. So it's not enough to just have Jesus in you. That, that'll get you to heaven, of course. That, that, that is your salvation. But then he takes you and dunks you into the Holy Ghost. I want more than him in me. I want to be in him. Amen. So there's power. You, if you don't have the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you ought to ask God for it. It's a free gift. <laughs> if I were going to give you a free, if I was going to offer $100 bills up here, y'all be running up here. Hello? Well, he's giving you the Holy Ghost. And we got people sitting around saying, man, I don't know if I want that. Let me, let me know how that works for you. For as yet, 
He had fallen upon, see, fallen. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about the Holy Ghost falling on people. He had not fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized. You only baptize people that are saved. Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Ah, praise him. Amen. You got me, you got me, you got me. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. Revival breaks out. All kinds of things happen in Samaria. But whatever happened to the woman at the well? The Bible doesn't give us a name, but church tradition does. So let me, let me close with this. According to church tradition, ancient history, her name was Fotina. P-H-O-T-I-N-A-I-A. And it's where we get the word in English, photo, which is, and we get the word photo meaning light, to shine. And that was her name. And the Bible says she didn't just win that city. She went on over the years to win thousands and thousands to the Lord. It was said in Christian tradition that she was equal with the apostles. This woman that's not allowed to preach is equal with the apostles. She she finally gets to Rome and she so got on Nero, emperor, you know you're messing, you're doing something when the emperor, you get his attention. Emperor Nero Killed her as a martyr. Come on, guys, let's worship. But I want you to hear how she died. Nero threw her in an empty, dry well. (laughs) A well. She died in a well. You know where I'm going. How many times do you think, I don't know how long that took, but how many times do you think she thought about sitting at the bottom of that dry well? You can only go three days without water. So she probably sat there for three days in that empty, dry well, thinking about the first day she met Jesus at a well. Are you hearing me? And those words going over and over and over. If you come to me, you'll never, ugh, you'll never be thirsty. Come on, three days without water, which means she's dying. But the words of Jesus coming to her head. If you follow me and believe in me, you'll never thirst. No water for three days, but never thirsty. You might be in a dry well. There may be nothing on this earth that can help you. You may know people where the doctors say there is no hope. There may be people you may have had times you were so depressed you couldn't get out of bed. Financial difficulty so severe, 
Whatever the situation, there seemed to be no hope. Everyone's given up on you, but you don't need natural water. You don't need natural solutions. You need to go to the well. You need to go to Jesus, amen. He has living water, unquenched, oh, my God, well water that just never, listen, the world might dry up. Your solutions might dry up. Everything might dry up. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus never dries up in your life. He's a constant source of healing and deliverance and power and grace. My God is able this morning, above all things, to touch you at the well. It's no coincidence you're here this morning. It's no coincidence. He is sitting at the well. He's driven off everyone that's going to stop you. What would happen? What would happen if we would finally just find our place in God? I wonder how many of us could win a city for God. How many of us, how many lives could we touch? If we could just start drinking from the well. Anybody with me? Drinking from the well. Stand with me. Let's worship. Jesus. Think about it now. He's here at the well. He's here. Thank you, Jesus.